I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi guys, welcome back. If you're a new listener, oh my God, I can't wait for you to enjoy. It's going to be a great episode. I have my dear friend, Emmy Harrington on this, I just said on the stage, on this episode. I said on the stage because she was on the first ever Awkward Sex in the City back in 2013. And then she was a, an OG cast member for the first touring company for, for years. You were there for like three years, I think. And Emmy has written, directed, produced, and starred in her own film, Two Little Bitches. Um, she also hosts a hilarious show called Score at the Pit Loft. It's a monthly show. And she was in High Maintenance, Jessica Jones, and just an amazing resume for when it comes to acting, guys. And this episode, we talk about Awkward Sex, uh, a very young, fun Emmy story from when you were like, what, 20? No, 19. When you were 19, and we just talk um, your new boyfriend, and we get a little deep about being creative. I, I had a great time in this episode, and I think you guys will too. Those were now situations where in order to go and do the thing, I would have had to call an Uber. Like, mm -hmm. all of my stalking uh, tendencies would be <laughs> would have been minimized. <laughs> oh, seeing with him, like him with his family, like, made me wet. It was really awkward. <laughs> I guess that's awkward. I, I mean, I didn't tell him that, but like... We went 
home together. <laughs> and kids, don't follow your Auntie Emmy's footsteps. So yeah, let's get right into it. You were talking when we were like not recording about uh, something that you were thinking about talking about. Yeah, and yeah. I just, um, I, a lot of the stories that I told on tour, like at this point, they're like so developed and there's so many details, but I, I still sift through my memory being like, what are the stories that I wish I told when I was with Awkward Sex mm-hmm. City? Um, and I was thinking about this story about um, being like 19 and working in restaurants, which was like, which is just like such a setup for having awkward sex stories. Like oh, you're yeah. totally dipping your pen in the company ink. The company ink is saturated with alcohol. Yeah. Um, and people who like have plenty of free time on your hands on their hands and you're up late and just like sort of constantly looking for trouble. Um, but anyways, I, I was had been working with this girl who was a friend of mine and I had the biggest crush on her brother, who was a couple years older than us. And like, you know, at 19 or 20, you're sort of like, there's just nothing more attractive in the world than a man <laughs> who's like three years older than you and like has the freedom and his own car um so anyways I was just super crushing on this guy and I never thought he'd be into me and Mm then I I like invited him over to my god sister I grew up with my god sister so it's just sort of just family we don't really draw a line anymore but I invited him over to my god sister's house to like watch a movie with us and like smoke a joint and it was very chill but I was also like sort of feeling it out and I sort of thought about how inappropriate it was because but full disclosure I actually had not been upfront with this friend about the fact that I was basically intending to seduce her brother <laughs> um, like at all. And, and even like I'd known her since I was younger, you know, not coming from a huge town, but, um, and I remember her complaining, being like, Oh my God, all the girls like have a crush on my brother. And it's just so annoying. They like come over and are crushing on him. And then, you know, flash forward five years, I was like, I am guilty. Um, <laughs> so like he came over and like watched a movie with me and my God sister. And it was sort of this weird ambiguous space where we were like, Oh, we're friends. But like, obviously this is awkward that your sister's not involved and that it's just the three of us. And then when we were going to like, when I like walked him to the door, I remember this awkward moment. We were just kind of standing there and I was like, oh, this is like where we're determining like whether or not this is a hangout or a date, Mm -hmm. a date with my sister. Um, And we ended up like kissing that night and I was like, oh, okay, like maybe this is like a thing. And then nothing else happened at all. I feel like I started to feel guilty about the, like the whole sister integration. And I think he started to feel guilty (laughs) about the whole sister integration. Not my sister, his sister, but yeah, it was like such a funny way to like put that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was like feeling guilty and sort of didn't make any moves. And then like months later, I think I had been, I think I was like home for my summer break from college. So I'd worked at this restaurant in high school and then was home for my summer break for college and um, ended up like having beers with him at a friend's house, like because of, (laughs) because of a map, basically he lived in proximity to someone else who I knew. And so I ended up like inviting him over to have beers with us Um, and we like made out and then I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. And then he like drove me back to his house, by the way, drunk, like the things that I think about doing when I was working in the restaurant industry and how commonplace, like absolutely obliterated driving was. Oh yeah. I had a really bad, like drinking and driving phase (sighs) in college. And I was just like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I, long story short, it was just one moment where I could feel myself veering in and out. And I was like, you can never do this again. Um, but yeah, we, we just think we're, we're young and dumb and we're like, we're, 
we're in, like we're nothing can stop right. us. And like I think about all the time how different those situations are because of car services now. I mean, even in smaller mm-hmm. towns, like certainly in urban areas, but like in smaller towns, that wasn't an option. Like none of us were ever going to call a cab. I also wonder. I was thinking about this too because I was also think about like all the really stupid things I did when I was drunk in terms of like being into men mm-hmm. and how if I if those were if those were now situations where in order to go and do the thing I would have had to call an Uber like mm-hmm. all of my stocking uh, tendencies would be would have been minimized to such a it's respectable not, degree. Is that what I thought you were going to say? Right? You thought I was just going to say hooking up with people. But no, like, you know, like when you are interested in someone and social media is not like a thing where you can see them all the time. You just are like looking at their window to see if the light's on. Um, <laughs> I never did. I don't know what has come over me. That was not true. No, it's totally true. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I go back to this guy's house and we're like making out and I'm just really fired up because this guy's like the whole package. He's like super funny. He's to get 23, an older, wiser man. Um, And he seems to just kind of have his shit together. And he was like a super good kisser. And I was like, oh, man, this is going so well. Like I could really see a future in this. And I'm like absolutely hammered at this guy's house probably saying and doing the dumbest things. But up until this point, everything's been going okay, And we're, you know, like in bed and I'm on top of him and sort of we're not having sex yet but we're sort of like getting ready to and I'm doing this whole seduction act you know where I've mounted him and I'm I'm gonna like really lay on pull out all the stops and really give him what I've got and I like sort of shift my weight into my hands like I'm I'm adjusting you know so I have my hands down like on the bed and I'm shifting my weight forward and somehow like I pictured myself being somewhere over his belly button but I must have been higher because I immediately in that gesture bang my head on the bedroom wall like oh hard like hard hard and I wasn't even like we weren't even like heavy duty humping at this point like it was just me adjusting in this act of seduction and I like pull back and my nose is throbbing and I'm like I think I have a nosebleed so we like have to turn on the lights and check me and I'm like totally swollen but don't have a nosebleed which almost makes it worse because then you're like oh are we supposed to like keep going now like is that, is, that, is that what happens next is that we just sort of pretend this didn't happen um and it was kind of funny but it's interesting it's one of those situations where you're like it was funny but because there's risk that someone actually like could have been hurt you you sort of have to take a step back and be like is everything like okay though? Mm-hmm. um i never saw him again and i ended up i never like hung out with him again. I feel like I must have seen him at some point in the following years being home for the holidays or something. But I totally came clean to his sister, which was an interesting like gesture for me. I mean, I'm glad I did it. But I was also like, did someone need to know? They probably needed to know. But it was definitely awkward. Yeah. Well, what, what was her reaction? She was pretty ticked off about it. But like, I think she was happy that I was honest with her. And she was also just the kind of person who was non-judgmental like she definitely had feelings about things but I always I remember always admiring her for being really authentic and who she was and like not really worried about what other people think which I think for some reason gives you the superpower of not being as offended by certain things like if you're not in a place of judgment you can sort of be like what effect does this have on me it's so interesting then that she's like not judgmental about anything but this one thing which theoretically she shouldn't have any control over because it's like it's his life well 
I don't know that I agree with that because really what it was was that I had deceived her, right? Like I didn't go to her and be like, oh, okay, I have intention okay. to like hang out with your brother and sleep with your brother. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was like, I actually feel like I got lucky that she wasn't more, more upset. Pissed. Yeah. I guess I was just thinking more back to when you were like, she was like, oh, everyone's into my brother. And it's like, yeah, because your brother is hot. Like, so right. that's just, you know, a but byproduct like- of a hot sibling. <sighs> Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> but if you're like 13 and every girl that comes to your house is like trying to hang out with your brother. Mm. Okay. That's bug fair. Me. Yeah. I no, I, I can see if I like go back far enough, I get it. I can see why that would be like ugh, annoying. Yeah. So anyways, that was awkward. And I wish I had more details. Like I just kind of don't remember because I was so drunk. I just wish that I knew how exactly I had fucked that up <laughs> well did you end up did you guys i can't remember if you said that you guys stopped after that we or did stop we like okay. didn't, we didn't go like back into it but there was that moment of c- contemplation mm-hmm. i mean i think what we both realized was that was how drunk i was right ah uh, because if you're like making that mistake where you think that there's a full couple feet of air in front of you and instead mm-hmm. there's actually a full-blown wall like maybe you're not in a position to be making decisions so he really was the full package he was I like know. she cannot oh my god accurately consent right now yeah i mean i think he was a kind person i think that you shouldn't have to be an exceptional human being to be oh like, no oh, yeah you're a good time to stop you're doing the bare minimum <laughs> there was a meme about that the other day that was like oh dudes do you not hit women or do this or this you're just being human yeah. you're not being perfect like you're perfect. regular yeah and so now you've been with your current guy for over a year right? yeah we just actually celebrated our year anniversary Aww. um last month i actually don't know how you guys met i just remember oh, all of a sudden you guys are dating it's um pretty good so uh i was at a birth a dual birthday party that had actually like escalated the volume on this thing had just been turned up and it was the exact right group of people and a friend of mine was djing actually at um come on everybody and oh okay yeah mm-hmm. and we'd all like you know been dabbling in, in alcohol and miscellaneous other forms <laughs> miscellaneous of fun. other um, things and we shut down Come On Everybody because my friend was DJing and so we kind of had that option. We shut it down truly. Like lights were on. We were like doing shots with the bartender and we had been invited to this after party, mm-hmm. which normally I'm like, I just I can't go until 6 a.m. Like I know people who do it on the regular and I'm like, I never make it that far. No. But at this point I was like flying high. I'm like, yeah, let's go to an after party. So we go to this after party, which was just down the way on Taffy and – um. I remember we had to take a couple of different cars. Like we had been going in shifts because some people were like still drinking with the bartender and there were so many of us anyways. Um, so there was already a really big group of people when I got there and oh, I okay. came in and like everyone was like, Emmy. Um, and apparently, I mean, my boyfriend says that he like overheard that ruckus when I came in and like sort of bookmarked it as like, oh, like look at the reaction that this human being just oh. got from her circle of friends. Like she must be something special. Um not within my knowledge (laughs) that fact I mean sometimes yeah I am special but um (laughs) like 15 maybe 20 minutes later had gotten a beer and was just dancing the music was great it was super late and he just literally like came up to me and started dancing with me and he's a really dancey individual like he's the person who gets us out on Friday and Saturday to shake it um so he was like giving me his best spin moves and was just like having a good game um yeah he he was but like also very much being himself and I was like I'm like into this guy you're like tall and it's dark and this is fun um (laughs) you're tall you're tall let's see where this goes let's see where this goes um 
but also like was a, like three sheets to the wind for lack of a better term. Um, and we, my, some friends went up on the roof to smoke a cigarette and like I brought him up there. I was like, Hey, do you want to get some air? You know? <laughs> and, um, like we went up on the roof and I think the first thing I said to him, he had, he was in a car accident when he was a kid. So he has this like sort of red mark on his nose that's just like lives there always and I turned to him and was like what happened to your face <laughs> like truly sensor free um yeah so he like ended up being telling me about why he had this mark and I was pretty drunk at the time but um we went home together <laughs> and kids don't follow your auntie Emmy's footsteps um we went home together and we were both like exhausted by the time we got home you know it was probably it was definitely after sunrise and um we ended up just spending the entire next day together like it Aww. was the winter olympics were happening and we ordered breakfast in bed and we're like having sort of funky recap of the night before and then um we decided we want to watch some olympics and he ordered a pizza and it was like i kept sort of just saying no to all the things that i was supposed to do including like going home and just like taking a shower <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's such great. A good time. It's a cool. It's like a. I'm glad that we met on a dance floor because I'm obviously very dancey and he's like very dancey. So I was like, it feels right. Yeah, like this is gonna be a true test. Yeah, for each other straight out the gate. Yeah, but also it's just such a telling part of your personality, right? Like if you can like really engage with someone on a dance floor in a non mm -hmm. seductive way. <laughs> I don't know. Um, have you guys? Have you and your beau? had any awkward sex though not really i mean we have like the regular awkward sex that couples have i think at this point oh go into that because you're right but it's hard to describe. i mean just in the sense that like we're we know each other well and like we're mostly like trying to squeeze it into our schedules or you know one of us has had a really long week and the other one is like ready to party yeah but yeah I mean we in in so many ways George and I have had such a classic trajectory like we met we started dating like and basically everything's been super smooth again he's a unicorn mm -hmm. so like we don't we haven't really struggled in a lot of ways nice okay. yeah I don't know I guess that's sort of a boring answer but no not at all no yeah I also love how I've noticed this with women more that we're so afraid to admit when it's good. Like it, like there's sure. got to be a catch. Like yeah. he's a unicorn, or like nothing's happened yet. Yeah, because we've been so scorned from our past. Yeah. lovers. Um, I mean, he really, he he really is a unicorn. Like he's not just like a nice person. He like constantly surprises me. He's like I I like, can't even talk. Like it, it's like breakfast in bed and like the ridiculous things that like make the sex good. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because um, I was going to be my next question was please. sex good straight out the gate? Oh, mm, we actually held off having sex for a while. Like I traveled. Huh, okay. Um, I was traveling and I also was really, to your point, I think I was freaked out about getting into a relationship, which um, I did not see coming. I had been in a position where I was like, I feel really ready for my life partner and I'm not interested in online dating because it doesn't feel like it's providing for me any any sort of substance. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, yeah, then when this unicorn came along and was like, I basically want to date you and like, I think you're fabulous. I was just like, oh, 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 like for real? Oh, yeah, I just, I just am not sure what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, so it really took me... 
I think it took us like a full eight weeks to do the deed. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, I think that progression is like the same. I think it was pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think back. It feels like so long ago now. I know, right? It yeah, just flies by. It totally does. There is a... Yeah. Oh, go on. No, and it's just like he knows all my family. Like we're in, we we've been we've been in such a good place for so long. It's like hard to even remember. Um, but yeah, I remember one, one thing that was really interesting um, was I was like, I was actually really in terms of be feeling that weird thing where I was like, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship. But once I finally sort of committed to it, I was like, Yeah, I'm doing this. Like this makes sense. And then I met his family for the first time, and I remember talking to my therapist after meeting his family and being like, I was so turned on by who he was in that dynamic and like the kind of person that he showed himself to be like for his mom and his dad and who where he came from and sort of like the really loving empathetic stock from from like whence he emerged mm -hmm. I just remember being sort of weirded out by that <laughs> I was like I'm supposed to be turned on by him like in all these other ways like working outdoors or like you know I don't know like the way he smells or all of these things and it was just like oh seeing with him like him with his family like made me wet it was really awkward <laughs> I guess that's awkward I, I mean I didn't tell him that but like now he's going to know sorry George um like I that was awkward. I just don't think I could ever tell my therapist when I was turned on. Really? No. We and she knows what I do. Oh she knows gosh. explicitly. Yeah. That I talk solely about sex and relationships, and all like all of that. But I don't think I've ever talked about being turned on or horny or sex anything like ever yeah. with my therapist. Yeah. I mean, it's it it's. I don't think it's a super normal thing, but I think that's one of the reasons why I brought it up was I was like this kind of interesting thing happened to me, <laughs> you know. And I don't I don't come from a broken home, but we all have our family drama and yeah, all of, of course. this. All of this stuff seems to be threaded through in one way or another. The deeper I go, so I was like, oh, this is this makes me curious. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, he's very sexy. He's he's a very sexy man. <laughs> I think he'll like to hear that. I mean, it's true. Um, how do you feel about your 30s compared to your 20s? It's just been coming up a lot in like random conversations. Oh, I will. I have so much to say. Um, <laughs> I feel really good about it. Um, I actually, one of the interesting things about it and it, it's been really interesting because my first instinct about this is to be like oh like I'm experiencing vanity but I actually just think that I look better like as a human being right now like mm -hmm. all of my pieces look like they fit together <laughs> and like my face looks like it might know something and it's not like still experiencing like baby fat and um yeah I just like like the way that I look and of course I feel better because of that but it was it's just been interesting because I was like I would totally think it was the opposite that at this point I would look in the mirror and be like oh I look old or I look saggy or I you know I'm not I'm not the spring chicken I once was and I'm like thank god that's what I see it <laughs> literally in the mirror is like I'm so glad that I have that I've grown into my body mm -hmm. um, so that's really wonderful I feel about myself really fabulous in my 30s but I still find that there's this like cultural narrative about success and about timelines that is 
really tempting and like sticky for me in terms of my consciousness. And I some days have a really good grasp on it. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm not late. There's no reason for me to believe that I am arriving late to anything. Like Mm -hmm. everything in my life is really full and interesting. And I'm blessed in obviously a million ways, but also just like talented and doing the work. Like I'm doing the work. Mm -hmm. But there are certain days where I'm just like, I fucked this whole thing up. Like, I'm totally late to the party. There's no way back from this. Um, And all of that is absolute bullshit. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how thick that mud is. Like, I just can't believe that I bought it for so long. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so many different factors, right? Like, one, we're both creatives and there is no straight trajectory on it. It's a spiral staircase. It's a spiral. (laughs) It comes, it's like a wave. It just goes in and out, in and out, and you have to learn how to ride the wave. It's also not what our parents preached to us because they were born into an economic surplus where you you go to college, you don't come out in debt, you have all of these fucking options. And we literally weren't given that. Like they and like people like baby boomers still don't understand that. That like we weren't given the option of stability and security within the job force or like in any capacity yeah, or ways or economically. Yeah. So because of that, there is a surplus of creatives as well. So it right. seems like there's more of us around that it's so easy for us to now compare us to. And then because capitalism is thrown down or like shoved down our throats, we're yeah. like, if we're not succeeding and making money, then we are failing because right. the fa- like the opposite of like good capitalism is like, right. you know, being in the red. And it's interesting thinking about like, you know, this is a huge box to unpack, but the idea of pr- like productivity and like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, basically the in- it, what it feels like to me is like the industrial revolution, you know, created this sort of cookie cutter box for your career and what it looks like to have success, right? You yeah. build something and then you continue to grow. You make enough money to support a family. And ideally, you know, you reach a hu- you reach the middle class. Like that's the goal. Yeah. But along the way somewhere, we lost the idea of like having a trade, like having a purpose. And yes, there's a surplus of creatives. But like if you look at the way people lived hundreds of years ago, it's like, no, you had a thing. You had like a skill that you learned, a skill that you applied, a, a skill that helped you to make your livelihood. And that's what creatives are doing. Mm-hmm. We've just adopted this narrative that's like, being creative means starvation. Being creative means being lonely. Being mm-hmm. creative means never being satisfied or suffering from drug addiction or alcohol use. And it's like none of those need to be the reality. Yeah. Like people who are creative have huge success. We look to them all the time for guidance and inspiration. And often they are experiencing great abundance in a lot of ways in their life. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, like maybe a more centralized thought process around that coming from the fact that there is this quote-unquote surplus like I'm like I hope there is there are more of us like nothing good has come from everyone having a pencil sharpening job and like you know having enough money to buy a house that doesn't seem to have been serving us no in our culture um if you had the choice would you do college again like if you could go back to like being in high school and like everything happens again like the 2008 right I don't really want to live through that again. Like my, <laughs> I don't want to live through my own growing pains in some ways. But I also, it's this is such a funny question for me because I think about this all the time because I very like I was very much pushed into getting a liberal arts education by my father. Oh. But I had been doing theater for so many years. I had been going to conservatory and was like absolutely sure that I wanted to be like an actor and a writer. Yeah. Um, 
And I think all the time about what the difference would be if I had gone to a conservatory program, like, Mm -hmm. you know, any million one of them, but, you know, NYU, for example, if I had like applied myself and gotten in there, like what would my benchmarks look like right now? Looking back at my 20s, you know, would anything be different? Um, I think there's a lot, a lot that I have gained from having to work really hard for the opportunities that I've been afforded. And it's made me into a really strong leader, Mm -hmm. which I can't guarantee would have been the case. I mean, I think it's in my nature somewhere, but you build that strength like a muscle. And like, there were so many opportunities where I had to work it. Um, But I am, I'm definitely guilty of like, not looking back with regret, but really wondering, like really questioning if I made the right choice for myself. Yeah. I think that's normal. I think that's human. I've asked myself the same question. Like, would I go back to JMU? Which at that point I was lying to myself about what I wanted to be. Like I did want to be a performer and I couldn't figure out how. So I was like, I'll get a journalism degree. And I definitely learned a lot. Yeah. Met some great people. Yeah. Got a great education, I'm sure. I know I did. Yeah, like, I got a fine education okay, at sure JMU. <laughs> I got, like, the senior year, I got multiple emails from teachers being like, you're failing. Oof, yeah. And if you fail this class, you will not graduate. And I was yeah. like, whatever. Um, uh, but I wonder, though, because I was like, oh, it was like, kind of a waste of money in a lot of ways and uh, maybe a waste of time. But if I hadn't gone there and then have to move back home because of the housing crisis and then had to work at Macy's because nothing was available, then Awkward Sex in the City, the blog, would have never been made. So it's like do I just do it all over again for that? Because like this is now my mini like empire. This is my baby. It's it's done so much for me and other people that I'm like, was it all worth it for that like one thing? And I would never realize. Like I'll never know. Yeah. I mean I think about that too in terms of like ending up in New York. Like Mm -hmm. really I ended up in New York because I was struggling so hard in Los Angeles to get work and feel seen. Mm -hmm. And it felt like the right thing for me to try on a different city. And so much of who I am as an artist in the last eight years has been shaped by the cultural exposure that I've had here, the exposure to certain communities, ideas, like all of it is, is a part of me. Yeah. No, and you're right, too. I was supposed to end up in Chicago right after mm. college. Interesting. Like, that was it. We were, Me and my best friend was supposed to move to Chicago Big with her plan. family. <laughs> and then she got a job in uh, Virginia. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm not going to Chicago. Like, it's crazy. Like, what would have happened? Yeah. Um, I personally believe that there's just, just there's multiple avenues that you can go down and you could end up in similar pla- similar places, yeah. but not maybe the same thing. Like yeah. I on like I don't believe like, oh, if we did like a whole other thing, we would have still ended up here. I don't believe right. that. I think we would end up somewhere else, whether it's better or worse. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the darkest timeline or something. the the possibilities are innumerable. That's the really crazy thing to think about when mm-hmm. we think about the fear that a lot of us hold for our future or the fear that we have about how we've made choices in our past. It's like. We we have no idea. Like we are looking at the surface of the water. You know, like it, there's just a million yeah. ways in anything. <laughs> this reminds me of um, a few months back. I got super super high. Mm. Like su- talk like, to like, me, Natalie. Like, great, Let's talk like about a great it. High. And I was with a group of friends, and yes. I was like, guys, what if right now actually isn't the good part? And when we die, yeah. that's the good life. And they were like, oh, you mean heaven? And I was like. Right. But like that's how like dumb I get when I try to think 
beneath the surface. Like that's what I get. I don't think it's dumb at all because like the institutional ideas of heaven are not presented in a way that feels like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Heaven feels like something that's earned in so many ways in Mm -hmm. religious culture and like something that you work towards. And the idea that maybe one day your body just starts to decompose and your soul goes on to experience something different is not, is not, doesn't fit into that box in a lot of ways. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, but that was such a much more eloquent description of what I was trying (laughs) to say. I'm not high right now at that moment. (laughs) I can't even think of that not just, high, though. It's just a coincidence. I find, um, I find as I've gotten older, words are harder. Yes. I can't pronounce words. I forget uh, the definition of words. Mm. I try to pretend like I know, mm-hmm. but I don't. Sure. And I don't um, know if that's weed or if that's getting older. Girl. Or honestly, it hits a point where I just don't care anymore. Yeah. I can't remember anything and it's terrifying (laughs) to me and I'm just like this is again my stomach rumbles and I don't remember things and I'm like it's cool to be in your 30s like it's great it's cool to be in your 30s um yeah I mean the thing like the epiphanies you have when you're high don't you know kids listen to your aunt Emmy don't doubt those too much you know don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. there's like there's so many things to learn when you're quote-unquote checked out Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I just sounded checked out. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. Like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I just also love like this podcast. It's about sex and it got super deep real quick. Oh, because I love, like, that's like part of it. Because it's like sex is like at the center of it all. Technically, I mean, we like to live our lives like like our ovaries aren't running the show. And let me tell you something. We can tell ourselves whatever story we want. Yeah. <laughs> You're not driving. (laughs) You wrote and produced and directed and starred in your own goddamn movie. Thank you. I don't know if you've noticed the shift, especially this year, with like Russian Doll and Pen15 and Dairy Girls and Shrill. It's like, oh, you put women at the helm of our own stories and all of a sudden – it's amazing. That's right. Like it's like we've been saying this for years. Let yep. women direct, let women write, and let them star in their own fucking stories. That's right. And these are the four of some of the greatest shows I've ever yep. seen. And it's been back to back to back to yep. back. A lot of people are like really dumbfounded and it's great. I mean, I don't I kind of at this point I'm like, I don't care how it happens. Like representation in the arts, like yeah. it is going to end up being about the numbers and the content is automatically going to be incredible. Well that's always what's been so infuriating is like it's all about the numbers, but women watch more TV, yeah. they watch more movies and they still haven't done No, that's what I'm saying it. is about like having the the like equal representation in those actual mediums. Ah, uh, I yeah. see, I see, okay. Yeah. yeah, and like women just, women telling women's stories, like we don't have the same bias. Like we know that a room that's half men and half women is half men and half women, not dominated by women. And also, um, you were at the show too. Our friend Danny Faith Leonard has a show called Adult, Adult Sex Ed. And the last show that she did was about sex in the movies. And mm. I had no clue. You probably do because you... That's really interesting. I was actually just listening to an episode of Still Processing that was like on this subject and I was sort of dumbfounded by how like the effect that the first films that I watched with sex scenes in them like completely created my idea of romantic love, Uh sexuality, passion. Um, Like I remember watching um, like Sleeping with the Enemy and being like, oh, this is so interesting that this is like a formative film for me and this, this sexual tension in it is like really violent like that was the first r-rated movie i saw and i remember thinking like wow julia roberts is so sexy like it wasn't pretty woman i like i wasn't formed 
like my ideas weren't formed by that but like sleeping with the enemy I like walked away with an idea of what romantic love looks like and I was like that's just grade a fucked up like (laughs) and then we learn like the back the back end of like why movies get the ratings that they do and it's literally moms that decide Mm. literally a group of 12 moms that decide is this movie and and c17 is that it and c17 are pg-13 and pg and all this shit about how like women can't have like oral scenes in it Mm. but men can have all these oral scenes in it and it's like what the fuck yeah and like uh blue valentine that there's ryan i love that movie there it is i was like gosling and michelle williams yeah he goes down on her oh yeah and then harvey weinstein had to fight for a rated r yeah because they gave him nc-17 originally yeah man it's a what it's a what baby baby it's a wild world it's like if I ever for any reason became an actress, like I want it in my contract that if there's a sex scene, it's either me going down on a girl or someone going down on me and right. nothing else. Like I just want it like in a closet. Like if you're going to have me in a sex scene, yeah. I will be butt ass naked as long as this is what's happening. Yeah, it's a good way to take a step forward. I'm into it. Right. Like let's get actual sex representation. Like I was just dumbfounded by that when yeah. I like I had no clue like how this worked at all because you assumed I don't even know what I assumed. I just assumed that there was more um, math involved or like logic. Sure. And it was just like, no, this mom says Mm-mm, too much for Tammy. Like, sure. what the fuck? Yeah, I actually don't know anything about the. I should know more about the rating system, but I, I didn't realize that that's how it was reduced. Look into it. It's yeah. like kind of horrific that that's how we yeah. still do it. Yeah. In 2019. It's a it's a weird, weird world. But. You know, it's a gender skewed world. So either way, like, you know, the mm-hmm. the hopeful part of it, at least we have this is that it at least we have this body of work that's come before that's been like, this has been OK for men and therefore it will now be OK for women. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, at oh, least, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Like at this point, you can only just hope because you sometimes just don't know. No, if it truly will. No, we don't know. Go in that tra- like trajectory, like that um, projection. Yeah, it seems to be that like fighting for it. Uh, can only help and like mm-hmm. complacency seems to continually set us back so I just keep being like it's it can't be about how far we've come it's got to be about where we want to go yeah yeah I've definitely noticed like the louder that we get the more we see um anything yeah. even if it's not progress just like headlines or this or that like yeah. even if it is like three steps forward two steps back it's still two steps forward sure. it's still a momentum yeah so. I'm into it yeah yeah so trying to make more projects. Yeah. Do you yeah. have anything coming up? Um, so I'm working on a couple scripts right now. And then I just got asked to direct a new web series. It's oh, actually nice. being shot with an all-female crew, which is super exciting. So I that's been it. really great. And I was actually recommended by a male director that I'd worked with. So I really appreciated him, like, making a step in the right direction. Um but yeah, a new series, new web series, and then uh, I'll be featured in a new short film by a filmmaker through Film Fatales, which is a really great female directors organization that I'm a part of. And then the scripts that I'm working on are uh, various, but um, the one that I'm most excited about now is a film called China River. So, oh shit! Okay. Yeah. We'll see what's up, but always recommend working with a female crew. It's great to give a woman a job. You know, just think about building that resume it's it's just such an easy gimme yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah 
Guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Again, we, I was with Emmy Harrington. You can see her on Jessica Jones. High maintenance and all the other things. Check out Two Little Bitches when you can. Um, you can follow Emmy Harrington at the Emmy Harrington. Um, you can follow Awkward Sex in the City at all on all the socials at Awkward Sex in the City. And uh, our next live show is April 19th, which will be the next one you guys come to. And April 20th in Boston. And guys... See you in two weeks. Bye.